Hey everyone, I'm Scott Branley. And I'm Alicia Coakley. Every member of the church has a story to share, one that can instill faith, invite growth, and inspire others. On today's episode, we're going to hear how one refugee left war-torn Bosnia and discovered just how aware the Lord is of us. Welcome to Latter-day Lights. Everyone, welcome to Latter-day Lights. We're so glad you're here with us today, and we are really excited to have a special guest, Dayon Taich. Is that, did I say that right? Perfect. Perfect. (laughs) All right. That helps to have notes on your paper. So, (laughs) Dayon, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, yeah. We were, I was so excited when you, um, right. Words are hard today, you guys. (laughs) I was, (laughs) I was so excited when you reached out to us and you shared a little bit of your story. Um, there, I have not heard one anything like your story before. Um, and, and I went and I searched and I heard that you were on another podcast called Latter day Lives, right? Like L I V E S. And I was like, oh, I was like, I haven't heard of that one. Well, it's because they're not doing it anymore, right? Like they they quit doing it a little while ago. And so I was like, oh, man. So anyway, I started listening to your story and I was telling you, I turned it off because I was like, no, I don't want to hear anymore because I want to hear it (laughs) when you come on as a guest. (laughs) So I am so excited to be able to hear more of your story day on and um, just to really get to know you. And so I want to invite you to... Tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. Um, you know, who who are you and what do you do? Okay. So as you said, I'm Dayan. Uh, I come from Bosnia. I've lived here since 93. Okay. I have I have a wife and I have four daughters. Four daughters? Four wow. daughters. Yep. Are, are any of them adults yet? Married? No. no. <laughs> oh, you poor thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, the oldest one is eight, and then seven. Oh, and, wow. And then four, and almost two. So instead of saving for retirement, you're saving for weddings. Exactly. <laughs> do you do you have any rules yet for your like are your daughters gonna have to wait six months in between or have double weddings or have you thought about any of that yet? No, not yet. Oh well probably, you might I have to start thinking should. about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like temple wedding and church reception for everybody, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Potluck. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. Or, yeah. or marry someone really rich and just let them tan a little. Just be like, no, <laughs> we've got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so where do you live? I live in Lethbridge, Alberta, Canada. Oh. Yeah. That's my uh-huh. old stomping grounds. I grew up in Alberta. Yes. I grew I, up. I, go ahead. I grew up in McGrath, which is just below Lethbridge. Oh, and I then see. when I was 10, I moved to Vauxhall, which is a little east. E- yeah, east, northeast a little bit. Yep. 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 So I see. Yeah, I know I know McGrath. I've been there many times. Uh, I think that this year we went to that parade that you guys have uh, for the 
Uh, the first uh, of July. First, first of July parade. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. So. Very cool. Yeah. Well, look at that small world. It really is a small it, world. It is. You know, it is. it's a big world, but it's a small world. <laughs> very, very. So, cool. like I said, like I said, I, I'm married. Um, I've been married for the last nine years. Nice. Um, I, I'm a convert to the church, so I'm a convert of ten years. Wow. So basically, I'm. I joined the church, and the next year I got married. So. Oh my okay. goodness. Yeah. Very cool. That's awesome. All right. Well, we are not going to postpone any longer. Um, Dayan, why don't you go ahead and tell us where does your story begin? Okay. So, before I do uh, the majority of the story, I just want to go ahead and just introduce a little bit of a background story to you guys about the war in Bosnia, about the Bosnia in general. So I, in, so the Bosnia was uh, made in just during the World War II, just uh, before the World War II ended. So at that time, um, we had six. I'm gonna I'm gonna call them states. Um, we had six of them. So basically, Slovenia, Bosnia Herzegovina, Serbia, Montenegro, Macedonia, and there's another one, uh, Croatia. And in 19 during the after the World War II. And up to 1980, we had uh, a president called uh, President Tito. And during that time, the the country was like perfect. Everybody was taking care of each other. It was friendly country. The industry was good and everything. It was a wealthy country in Europe. And in 1980, uh, President Tito uh, passed away. And ever since that time, the country steadily progressed uh, toward authoritarian uh, government. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically, after um, after his uh, death uh, in nineteen, he died in nineteen eighty. But in nineteen ninety two. Because of all the uh, authoritarian uh, government um, upheaval, uh, their Bosnia and not Bosnia, Croatia and Slovenia wanted to separate from Yugoslavia, so they wanted their own independence. They wanted to be their own country. So that happened, and with that came war, because. Serbia didn't want that. So the war came and the next country, next state that wanted to become independent was Bosnia. And that's where I'm from. And they, I think in the referendum, they voted 99.7% yes in favor of the uh, independence and because of a 
Serbia, and Serbia was more of an authoritarian government. They boycotted it. They didn't want to uh, for Bosnia to to become independent. Right. And what they did at that time is they attacked militarily. Uh, so mm. they, yeah, so right away they attacked uh, the capital, Sarajevo. And they they thought that if they attacked uh, the capital, that they can actually control everything and the independence will stop. But that didn't stop them. The independence still happened. Uh, Bosnia became its own country. And because of that first siege of Sarajevo, they killed, uh, what is it? They killed, uh, I'm going to say about uh, 10, 10, 11,000 people just in that oh first siege. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. So that is kind of a, a backstory um, how the war started, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, from then on, I, I was 15 at the time, I'm going to say 14, 15, somewhere in that range. And I woke up, um, just a normal day. Uh, I woke up to go to school cause I just started uh, high school. It was my first year of high school. Mm-hmm. And I started going, uh, got, getting dressed in the morning, and I always meet one of my friends in the morning at my house to so we can walk to school together. It's a smaller town, so we walked everywhere. Mm-hmm. So we went to, uh, we started walking, and everywhere we went, there's these military vehicles all over the place. Like, you can't go anywhere without seeing a military vehicle, and we were wondering what is going on here. So... Like we went to school anyways. And in the distance, you can hear you can hear the bombs going off. Like in the distance, it's, it's, it's close by, but it's not in our it's not in our town yet. So did it feel surreal? Like what what were your what were your feelings when you could hear that going off? Or well, I was seeing scared. the military? Yeah, I was scared. But I was also 14, 15 years old. I didn't really know what to think of it, right? Right. So we went to school and we stayed there the whole day. And then at, when I came home, my parents uh, told me and my sister, because I have a sister as well. She's a year older than me. Uh, my parents told, uh, told us that uh, me and my sister, they're going to ship us out to... Uh, our aunts in Serbia Mm. so we can live with them for a bit and then my parents will grab some stuff uh, some clothes and whatnot some important documents passport and stuff like that and they'll meet us at uh, my aunt's so me and my sister went alone she just got it on the bus and we just went there like that day, like right when you got home. Uh, I think. I think. It, no, I think it was the next day. Okay. Next. Next morning. So, like, no time to say goodbye to anybody. You nope. didn't have any idea how long you were going to be at your aunt's. No. Nope. Just, just not. Just. Just. Just up get and up and leave, basically. Yep. Oh, 
What did you think yeah. that like, did you, did you have any idea that it could be a while or were you thinking it would just be really short or? We really think it was be, it was going to be short that in like a couple of weeks we'll be back and nothing, it would be like nothing really happened. Right. Although there were no 30 years later, <laughs> I'm, I'm in Canada. <laughs> wow. So, okay. Yeah. So, so you and your older sister who you guys are both about 14, 15 ish, 16, yeah. somewhere in that age range. Yeah. You get Serbia. on a bus or a train and head to your aunt's house by yourselves. Serbia. We go to Serbia, okay. just, uh, close, close by the Belgrade. And, let you know that uh, Serbia is the one that attacked Bosnia. So we're going in. So we're going in the enemy country. Oh, oh wow! Yeah. Wow. And uh, yeah, so when we got there, we didn't really go anywhere. We just stayed in the house mm-hmm. with with our family. They 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 treat us good. They they treat us. Uh, Perfectly, they you know fed us and gave us clothes because we, we didn't have anything with us other than whatever we were wearing, basically. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, everything was good there. Um, I had we had freedom to go wherever we want, but because it was, we were in Serbia, in the enemy country, we didn't really want to risk it. We didn't right. want to get caught, right? So we basically stayed in the house and just played around the house on the street there a little bit. That's about it. And so my parents' original plan was to to come within a couple of days with uh, some necessities. And in the meantime, the border between Bosnia and Serbia closed. So now they're stuck over there and we're stuck in Serbia. Oh man. Yeah. So the next plan, it was my parents' backup plan, was for for children to go to Croatia. Because my dad has a brother over there that lives in Croatia. Mm-hmm. So that's what they did. So they went to Croatia and we stayed in Serbia for I'm going to say a couple of months or so. Oh my gosh. So the only way that we could talk is either on the phone or through the letters. So yeah, majority of the time it was just letters, writing letters. And I still have those letters. I have it backed up on my, on my computer here. So sometimes I, I look at it just to remind myself of it. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they were in Croatia. Uh, me and my sister were in Serbia, and they're trying on trying uh, to get to um, Serbia. Mm-hmm. But guess what? The borders closed there too now. Oh, no. <laughs> so now they're stuck. Oh, so now they're stuck over there, and they can't go to Bosnia either because the because the border between Bosnia and Croatia closed as well. Oh my gosh. So now we're stuck. We're stuck in Serbia and they're stuck in Croatia. And what happened was my parents had another plan for 
me and my sister now to go to a different country, a totally different country. So Serbia uh, borders Hungary. So me and my sister uh, got some money from my aunt and they sent us to on a bus and over the border to first bigger town in, in Hungary. It's just called Mohaj. It's only like 17,000 people. But mm-hmm. now because we're there, now we have to get registered with the Red Cross and now we're in the refugee camp. So you didn't have family or anyone you're going to? Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. That no, is... it, was just, it was just me and my sister, 14, 15 years old, at the foreign country. We don't know the language. We are at the <sighs> refugee camp. With, with some other Bosnian people, Bosnian families. But still, it was, you know, it was foreign to us. Wow. Yeah. As a mom, like, I can't even send my 16-year-old into Walmart without him getting lost. Like, I'm not, like, <laughs> I, and this is like a, like, no, I'm not even joking. I literally told my kids to meet me at Walmart after, like, they went to the temple or whatever, and they... I told them which Walmart to go to. They went to the total wrong Walmart and they're texting me and they're like, we're in this aisle. Where are you? And I'm like, I'm in this aisle. You're not in this aisle just to find out they're 30 minutes away. So I can't even, <laughs> this is, this happened last week. <laughs> I cannot even imagine how much anxiety your mom felt having the two of you guys go by yourselves, not knowing the language, having all this worth stuff happening and, just hoping and trusting that one, you guys have enough money to be able to complete your trip and to feed yourselves and get whatever you need. And then two, to find all the resources and to be able to communicate with someone and then to, to check in, right. To like, make sure like, Hey, I can contact, I, I couldn't even, because back then nothing happens to you along the way. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's wow. I can't. So, okay. So how do you, like, what was that so like being in so Hungary? We're in Hungary? So we're in Hungary in the refugee camp. And it's a smaller refugee camp. There was maybe uh, 50, 60 people in total there. Mm-hmm. So it was an old uh, army uh, station, basically. It was uh, one, maybe like three, three, uh, three-level building there. It had the walls all the way around. Uh, with the guard in the front, where so basically we had we had to have a permission to leave the 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 place right. to go if we wanted to go in the town we had to have permission. So they gave us these little cards that every time you would want to go out they would give it to the guard in the front and he would stamp it. Then you have to show it and on the back to make sure that you came back. There was a certain time that we had to be back by. We had we had a little bit of freedom, but not not too much really. And especially because we don't know the language, we can't really talk to anybody outside of mm. the the compound. Uh, for food wise, we had to go. We had to walk about fifteen twenty minutes to this uh, uh, firm. I don't know what kind of a firm it was, but we would go into the cafeteria and we would eat there. Whatever they, whatever they were having, we would be having as well. And 
After that, we will walk back to the refugee compound and we will stay there, play games with, you know, whatever, do whatever we want on the inside. Um, and then, yeah, we were there for a while, probably, I was going to say maybe like two months. And then in, all by you itself. were in Hungary by yourselves for two months in a refugee camp. Just in that refugee camp, yeah, me and my sister. Wow. Yeah. How often were you able to talk to your parents? Uh, probably like once a week. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So they would they would actually send us money because there was no way of us getting any money other than my parents. So, so they would mm -hmm. send us money there, and then we would get change or whatever because it was pay phones, right? There were no cell phones there, right? Or anything. So. It was a payphone that we had to use, so we would have to get change from from a store or something, so we can have it for uh, for a phone call. So wow. yeah, so once a week we would be talking to our parents, and I don't think I don't think we wrote letters there. I'm, I I don't remember seeing any letters, but uh, mm -hmm. yeah, so it was mostly phone and. So we were there for a couple of months, and my parents finally got a, a passport, and they finally came to that refugee camp, and they we we, we were reunited after oh. after a few months of being alone, separated. Oh. Yeah, was, I'm sure was that like? was a pretty good. Reunion, pretty, right? <laughs> was, yeah, it, it was pretty emotional. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, yeah. What was it like what, in the camp? Like, what did that? I mean, did you have private quarters at all? Was it just one no. big, huge room with cots, or? It was. That's basically what it was. It was each room had about three or four families. It was a huge room. Wow. And the only separation between us was just some blankets around the beds and. That's basically it. Did you meet anyone in the refugee camp who kind of took you under their wing, like any other families that kind of? Um, we had we had families that, that treated us like their own family. That's yeah. nice. That's yeah. Good. And because we didn't have any really any clothes, we uh, we relied on Red Cross donations. So what they would do is that uh, they would bring these clothes and they would just pile it on the floor on the ground, like outside, mm -hmm. and and all these people would just just like savages, <laughs> just start wow. piling on the clothes, trying to get to a good clothes as as fast as they can. <sighs> so that's basically how we got our clothes, whatever was left of it. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and um. um, yeah. They, my parents came and they stayed with us for for the re remainder of the time. And that uh, refugee camp actually closed down probably a month after they came. Wow. So now we were going, we were sent into a different, bigger um, refugee camp. And it was much bigger. There was probably um a thousand people there wow. and yeah it was i don't know if everybody was from bosnia but there was a lot of us there 
And that town was kind of in the middle of Hungary, between the Mohaj and the Budapest, kind of. So it was okay. along that road. So we stayed there. We had we had more more um, privacy wise. It wasn't. It was basically the same as as the first one, but we had more freedom to go into town. Nobody was checking on us to make sure that we come back at a certain time. Or mm-hmm. so we were out quite a bit. Um, Somehow I made made myself a fishing rod and I would go fishing and just a pastime and yeah. bring some fish to the to the compound and fry it and eat it. But yeah. Was your were your parents able to work at all? No. Wow. Oh, so no, just whatever they had had saved and then just contributions from volunteers yeah. and yeah. Donations from charities. Wow. Yeah, you does so hard. Yeah, you're not allowed to work there unless you have a workers permit, oh, okay. worker visa, right? So, right. yeah. Wow. So, we stayed in that uh, refugee compound for a while. And then, I don't know why, but for some reason, we were transferred over to Budapest, my family. Mm-hmm and a few other families as well. So they were transferred there and we were up on a, on a, on a hill, basically. There was a campground there and each family had their own um, private uh, quarters. Okay. So this time, so this time we had our own little uh, bungalows that we can stay in with all four walls in there and security and everything. The food was provided to us uh, as well by by the campground. And at what point my dad noticed uh, uh, an ad on the wall uh, that US and Canada were looking for families to come in as a refugees. And so he applied for Canada. I don't know why. I don't know why Canada because we never knew anything about Canada. We just knew there was gold. That's, that was there you go. <laughs> and super nice people. Yeah. Yes. Canada. Canada is way less moody than Americans. <laughs> so he so he applied and then he came back to our uncle and he said, "Yeah, I applied for." For us to go to Canada, and I'm like, why? Why Canada? Why not U.S.? Because yeah, <laughs> the dream, the dream country for everybody in Europe at that time was to go to U.S. You know, we all knew like Beverly Hills and California and right. movies, <laughs> and but I'm glad that he, I'm glad that he applied for one of them at least, mm-hmm. right? Because that kept us. Uh, they made us come here and away from being a refugee for I don't know how long we would have been refugees for, but yeah. How long were you guys ref- like from the time that you got into mm-hmm. Hungary with just you and your sister to the time that you guys got to Canada? How long was that? I was, I was going to say about a year. Wow. 
Yeah. And you didn't get to do school or anything during that time? Nope. I lost my oh school in there. Yep. Wow. Yeah. So, so what was that like getting over to Canada? What was that whole process? So government of Canada, they they got us tickets. They paid for the tickets under uh, uh, agreement that we're going to pay him back once my parents get uh, jobs, right? Mm-hmm. So they got us tickets, and before we came to Canada, they they sent us places so we can uh, get our health checked to make sure that we know some English mm-hmm. before we come because we didn't know any English. My sister knew a little bit from, from the movies and stuff, from the songs, but do uh, you hold a conversation with somebody uh, that wasn't happening? Unless it's in so, song form, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can just sing to each other. Yeah. That sounds like my kind of, my kind of lifestyle, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. So, so we finished the... Uh, we finished the uh, English uh, there, and they sent us a ticket, and we were on our way to Toronto, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we landed in Toronto. It was November. It was cold. Cold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it was November 27th or something like that. 23rd oh, wow. or 27th. Yeah. So... There were also some families that we were friends with in that second, um, in Hungary as well, but in that second campground as well, they came mm-hmm. with us to Hungary and they also came with us to, uh, to Canada as well. Oh, good. So we have a family that lives within like an hour and a half of us here that was with us in the refugee camp. Wow. And we're still, we're still friends with them. So Aww. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Wow. So were you guys so, able yeah, to acclimate pretty quickly once you got here? Like were, were your parents able to find jobs and housing and all the things that you needed? The first thing we had to do, my parents had to do is take more English. English is a second language here mm-hmm. before they could uh, look for a job. So they, they did take those classes and they passed those classes and they, they both actually got a job with a local um, furniture building place. Mm-hmm. So what they were doing is uh, my mom was a seamstress and my dad was building sofas and stuff. Wow. Yeah. And that's where I worked as well after high school. After I finished my high school, I started working there as well. But yeah, so once they got a job, they were able to pay off the Canadian government for the tickets and they they gave us um, uh, the house here not gave us but we still had to pay the uh, rent and stuff but mm-hmm. they found us a place where we could stay when we got here uh, they bought us they bought us some furniture in the beginning um, bought us some clothes so that was all good. Wow. Yeah, and I'm grateful for that. 
because mm-hmm. you know it was winter and we needed uh, winter clothes. Right. Really bad, real bad. Wow. Were you guys so, ever able to but, go back to Bosnia and grab extra belongings or anything, or did your parents just have to leave it all? No, what were they able to take? Were they able to take photo albums or keepsakes or anything? Not, not even nothing. Nothing really. They just grabbed some clothes. And so far, I only have one picture of me and my sister when we were, I don't know, maybe 11, 12. Really? That's wow. basically all I have. I don't have any pictures of my mom or my dad when they were younger or anything. Just the one picture oh that I have gosh. of us. Yeah. That would be so hard. It is. Yeah. yeah. And go ahead. Are you going to say something? Yeah. What? So what? I'm, I'm just curious. Like, do you have any idea what happened to the home you were in in Bosnia and all of the belongings? Like, so, is it just you just don't know? Or did the government so my, take it? Oh, so my... I went back home in, I don't know how long ago, but it, I, I went once to visit my family because I, I still have a little bit of family left there. Okay. And I went to visit my my home and it was just a parking lot. It was, there's really? nothing left. It was, it was bombed. It was completely destroyed. Oh, no. Yeah. But that probably in some weird way makes you feel like grateful that you did get out when you did because you just yeah. don't know if you would have been inside of there, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, not that it makes it easier, but just, you know. Oh. Yeah. Wow. And what to make it worse, when I went there, I I actually went to visit my my neighbors and all of their houses are still it was, they were still standing. I went to visit them and I I was really talking with them and only our house in that area was gone. Wow. So, yeah. So your parents so, um, definitely were inspired then to leave when you guys yeah. did. Yeah. Holy I'm glad cow. I'm glad that, I'm glad we did leave. Wow. Oh my goodness. So, yeah. So, so, so you're here in, so you're in Canada, you guys get established mm-hmm. and you're not like your family wasn't members of the church or anything like that at that time. So take us, no. take us, how did you guys get to, or is it just you that's a member? Did you, your family join? It's, where, it's, where does that story come from? It's only me. Okay. So we come from uh, generations of Islam uh, religion. Mm-hmm. So my my religion is only being passed on to me through generations. So basically, I was I was a Muslim through just passing being passed on to me through generations. Mm-hmm. My parents were never really religious. Uh, I'm not sure how many times they were they went to the mosque or anything like that but i i in my life i never seen them go to the mosque okay uh so we were not very um uh religious no we were not practicing at all so i was basically a blank slate when i when i came to canada um the way that i became a member was through my wife 
So my wife is a lifelong member. Um, I don't know, Scott, if you know where Hillspring is. Um, I is it over by Cardston? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I have uh, my 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 wife's aunt lives there. Okay. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so my in-laws live there. My 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 wife is from there. So oh, I'm sure they know each other then. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they it's do. It's a small place. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Tell, me, tell me later. Tell me later who they are. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so my wife is from Hillspring. She's a lifelong member, and I go online. I I wanted to go try online dating, right? So. I go online and I just stumble upon her. There was something about her that uh, just pulled me to her. So I messaged her on there and long story short, uh, she agreed to go on a date with me. So we went on a date and we had a good time. And so we're dating for a while. And then all of a sudden she asked me, um, do you even know what our religion I am? <laughs> I'm like uh, no I don't really care but when I said I don't care I just I don't care what religion she is whatever religion she is that's fine with me right right and she proceeds to tell me that she's a member of a church of Jesus Christ who are the saints and I'm like what's that because I never heard of it before mm-hmm. so she explained it to me and she invited me to her church at one point so I agreed to go to church, and from the moment that I stepped into that church, everybody was friendly to me. There were missionaries sitting next to me right away. You know how it is. There's mm-hmm. always there's always missionaries right next to the somebody new at the church. Yep. And <laughs> so they. Uh, Everybody was welcoming me. Everybody was I. Everybody was friendly. I never really experienced that much love in one place uh, toward me ever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, I really, I need to be here. This is this is the place for me. Wow. And shortly after, I started taking discussions with the missionaries. Um, there were a couple of sisters uh, from Utah. They were both from Utah. And they were teaching me and uh, we were reading the Book of Mormon together and I was reading it by myself. And um, at the meet, I, I, so we were, taking discussions and they, I, I was getting close to wanting to be baptized. I wanted to do it on my birthday for some reason, just as a, you know, happy birthday to me. Right. <laughs> yeah. And the sisters asked me uh, if I would be able to uh, do it a little bit sooner, like three months sooner. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure they knew that they were getting uh, transferred and they just wanted to we finish wanted to the be work. There. <laughs> they wanted yeah. they wanted to finish the work that they started, right? Right. And they wanted to be there. They wanted to um, finish the job, and so I decided. 
I decided to get baptized. So I got baptized in uh, August, August 23rd of 2013. Wow. Yeah. It's 10 years, just past 10 years. So. Oh, my goodness. And then, yeah. so were you still dating your wife at the time or did you guys get married or? Okay. We were still, we were still dating. Um, we were dating for a year after uh, I got baptized. Mm-hmm. Then I asked her to marry me and she said, yes. I was, you know, awkward that <laughs> I didn't know how to do it. <laughs> <in the beginning. laughs> I didn't know how I, because it was my first time of getting married, right? So yeah. I didn't know how to uh, how to go about it. I'm not a very uh, romantic kind of guy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I asked her to marry me, and she said yes. And here we are. We're still married ten years, uh, nine years later. That's awesome. Wow. So, so, yeah. so I have a question. Um, when you were taking the discussions and learning about Christ and you know, and the different teachings of the church, like what was you, what were your thoughts? Cause you had never been exposed to that kind of stuff before. Right. So like what, what went never through your been, head? Like, what did you think? Yeah, I was never exposed to it. I, I tell you honestly, I didn't know what to think. Uh, I was blank slate, whatever they were feeding it to me. I was taking it in. Um, I love, I love how this religion is all about family. I really like that aspect of it. Um, and that's what really sold me. I really wanted a family. And yeah, I really wanted a family on my own. And I'm glad that I stumbled upon my wife when I did. Otherwise, yeah. I don't know where I would, where I would be right now. I don't know if I would have four daughters, if I would have four boys, or, <laughs> but I'm glad. I'm really glad that she uh, that she was there when she was. Wow. Oh, that just yeah. warms my whole heart. <laughs> I love that so much. I mean, just to think, you know, if if anything had been different, there's a good chance you might not have ever met her, you know, exactly, but, yeah. but everything lined up, you know, heavenly father, I, I always say he's so creative. Like he's such a creative author when he's writing our stories, he's just like, Ooh, we're going to throw this little plot twist in for you. And we're going to give you this challenge. And then you're going to overcome here. And, and I just, you know, I love seeing like the progression of like, even though it was so hard and you literally sacrificed everything, everything, mm-hmm. you know, to get to where you, where you are today. I just think it's, it's such a beautiful testament to how aware heavenly father really is of us, you know, and how his timing is perfect. Like, yes, it wasn't, you know, boom, 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 super, super fast that everything happened and it was resolved. Like it, it took a long time of being in the refugee camp. And then it took time for you to Mm -hmm. adjust when she got to Canada. And then even getting to Canada, you still had, you had time that you had to grow and develop and and work on yourself and stuff before you and your wife were ready to be together. And I just, I, I love your whole story. It is such a beautiful story. Um, I, I I feel like, I feel like ever since uh, the war started and whatever I went through, to get to this point, that that whole thing was 
Heavenly Father's plan for me to come here to meet my wife, to yeah. to have to have my family that I always wanted, and yeah, I, wow. I strongly feel that was that that was Heavenly Father's plan for me. Yeah. Now, how long did it take for the war in Bosnia to to finally end? It ended in ninety five, so okay. it was about four years. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I just, I can't even, I, I literally cannot even imagine what that would be like to, to have to go through that kind of stuff. I hope it never comes here. You know, I hope that we're able to stay away from it, but, but it's nice knowing that heavenly father has a plan, right? So even if we do have, whether it's a physical war or whether it's a spiritual war that we're fighting, um, it's nice to know that he, he's got us, you know, he can, he can get us wherever we need to be right for sure so where what where's your sister now and and your parents so my dad lives with me he's just downstairs here um <laughs> he's a good he's a good babysitter for my kids he loves Heck yeah he loves he loves having <laughs> he, he loves having all the girls here and oh. keeps him busy uh he spoils them quite a bit <laughs> my mom yeah my mom has passed away uh, in 2008, from lung cancer. Wow. Uh, my sister lives in Michigan. Um, okay. Yeah, she lives in Redford, Michigan, right by uh, it's like suburb of Detroit. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's been there for for a while. Um, she has a, a one son, and they were they were here visiting this summer for oh. three weeks. So yeah, wow. so we don't we don't, we don't get to see them. Uh, as often as we as we would want to, but uh, they come to visit quite a bit. So, yeah. Um, what do you? What do they think about you being LDS? Yeah. My my sister is all for it. Um, she's not a member, but she whatever whatever is my decision. That's that's good with her. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad is the same way. Like in the beginning, I actually was hiding it from him uh, because he's a <laughs> he's a old school guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a little bit intimidating. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that if I was to tell him uh, beforehand that I was going to join the church, that he would disown me. Mm. And I okay. didn't want that, so I so I actually hid it from him for probably a couple of months before I actually told him. And when I told him, he was it was actually surprising because he was welcoming. He like he was he was okay with it. Wow. So, hmm. Yeah. Just goes to show you. I there's a there's a quote by Andy Andrews. He's like my favorite person ever as far as like an author and a speaker and stuff. And he says, um, worry is just imagination used in an unproductive way. And I love that because I think about the time, you know, like you were so worried, right? You're just not being productive enough with your thoughts. You just had to be a little more, <laughs> a little more productive with your thoughts to to not worry and, you know, everything turned out okay. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really, that's really wonderful. That's uh, really wonderful. Yeah, I was just wasting my time basically. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh, wow. Dayan, thank yeah. you so much for sharing your story with us today. Is there, do you have any last thoughts, any 
testimony takeaways or, or messages that you'd like to leave with our audience? Sure. Um, when I, when I think of the war, um, like, and I, I don't just mean the war in Bosnia or war in Ukraine or whatever war is happening there. Um, I think of the soldiers and innocent people that gave up their lives for the freedom. And we need to remember that even though, um, even though we fight in different uh, theaters of war, or being spiritual, um, because we're not in a physical war with anybody else, but our being spiritual war, uh, we can still admire the courage, uh, self-discipline and the strength and uh, uh, sacrifice it took to go into battle. And, and that alone should stir uh, in us the, the diligence to prepare for, uh, to prepare ourselves for the spiritual battles we have within ourselves so that we can be prepared for uh, uh, so we can face this uh, spiritual war within us as we strive to say to stay faithful to God. So that's basically what I have. I love that. So far for my final thoughts, really. Wow. Oh, and there's well, so many different. Oh, go ahead, Scott. Go ahead. No, you go. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, it. hopefully we never experience war, <laughs> right? But you yeah. did. You experienced the physical effects. You witnessed war firsthand. Um, so I think that really gives you a unique perspective when you do talk about, you know, physical war versus spiritual war. Um, so that's really unique. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was thinking a little bit about just, um, the, like I said, the sacrifice that you had to make. I think that we tend to hold on so tightly to all of these tangible things, even things that are, you know, like pictures, right? Like keepsakes, like those things that, that have so much emotional value to them, you know, but ultimately Mm -hmm. when it comes down to it, like just really considering what matters most. I know there was um, a talk given by elder Ballard not too long ago in one of the previous conferences where um, I believe it was, is titled of things that matter most. And he talks about just how important it is to have those relationships with your family, with your friends, with your ward and your community. um, And especially relationships with like your heavenly father and Jesus Christ that those are the things that really matter most. It's not all this other stuff that gets in our way, mm-hmm. you know? And even though it would be wonderful, like like my heart hurts that your family didn't get to keep your keepsakes and your pictures especially, you know, that it, it hurts so bad. But at the same time, you know, knowing that, that it's not about those things, right? It's not about having those little those tangible items that you can hold on to. It's about having that relationship, you know, looking back and, and seeing just how much you really loved and cared for your parents as a teenager. Teenagers don't usually like their parents very much, you know, but you have the the eternal treasures, right? The eternal treasures. 
Not yeah, necessarily absolutely. the physical treasures. Yeah. So it, I, I love that Scott said that you have this unique perspective because I think you have it in so many more ways than you even realize. I mean, maybe you do realize it, but so many, so many more ways than yeah. even I realize, I guess. Right. But that yeah. is a, that's a beautiful thought that, you know, it, t- it does take a lot of courage to give those things up and to, to trust. And, and even though you didn't know about Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, they still knew you. You know, what comfort that is to me to know that even those who don't know the Savior are still known to the Savior. Um, yeah, nice. So. <laughs> good. I, it's not me. <laughs> I don't know where it came from, but, but it's... <laughs> Um, we'll put that on a bumper sticker too, Scott. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yep. No. So just uh, thank you so much, Dan. I, I really appreciated your vulnerability and your willingness to open up. That that was it was a very beautiful, beautiful story. Well, um, thanks to all their listeners that tuned in to hear Dayon and you know, we really appreciate you and and your willingness to stick with us and and be a part of our story as we continue to share stories like this with you. And if you get a chance, please go and share Dayon's story by clicking that share button. Um, and if you want to hear more stories like this, hit the subscribe button too, and we can, and you'll be alerted every time we share one. Absolutely. And don't forget, listeners, if you have a story that you'd like to share, or you know someone who has a story, something that can instill faith, invite growth, and inspire others, be sure to reach out to us. You can find us at latterdaylights.com, or you can comment anywhere that you're hearing this podcast, and we will be able to reach out to you and and get in touch with you. Or you can send us an email. It's latterdaylights at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. We would love to keep spreading truth and light and love um, as, as far and wide as we can. Recently, I think I, I shared this already on one of the previous podcasts, um, we had uh, our numbers come back. We're, we've had over 100,000 different listeners since the show started, which is so just inspiring to know that that many people were able to get a little bit more light in their life. And so we would love, love, love to help you guys continue to share your stories and to reach out and to really, to really touch the world in, the, in a way that matters most. Awesome. All right. Well, that being said, Dayon, it's been a pleasure. And until next week, we hope you have a great week and that you tune in next week where we can share another story with you. So until then, talk to you later. Bye, everyone.